ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. We love making this podcast. It's our favorite thing we do each week. We've received so many heartwarming messages from you about how our episodes are impacting you, and many of you are asking what you can do to support the show. Please tell your friends about us, share on Instagram or Facebook, let them know what you're learning. But the very best way to help is to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Head on over to soulful.mba slash iTunes to leave a rating and review. It only takes a moment. The more reviews we receive, the easier it will be for others to discover the podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. We look forward to seeing what you build online. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast. Today's episode is called Day Job. I'm Jenny Marcellos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hi, Jenny. I'm really excited about this episode. I Sandy. know. We started planning and talking and preparing, and then we're like, ah, let's just hit record and get this on. We're ready for it. And also, we've been doing a lot of interviews lately, and I love doing the interviews now, but I also love when we get to do these episodes together. So we're making a commitment. I miss the joy and hustle. I know. We don't want to have to give the joy and hustle away. We have a backlog <laughs> of joy and hustles. So today's episode is really about the standard nine to five workday and why we think that is a problem and why we have chosen to schedule our time the way that we have in a more flexible fluid manner. And we want to talk a little bit, of course, because this is who I am as a human being, we want to talk a little bit about the history of the standard eight-hour workday and why that's not something that necessarily needs to exist going forward. Yeah, I think it'd be worth reviewing where that nine to five came from, why we have it, and maybe discuss a little bit about why it's still around. Yeah, so we were reading a few articles and Seth Godin has written about the workday and sort of the standard schooling system and all of these issues before in his blog post. So I'm sure that this conversation at some root level is inspired by just immersing ourselves in Seth's work. We were talking recently about how we should do a podcast on our schedule and how you and I were talking yesterday actually about how you know we both have felt a little bit guilty because we get started working a little bit later than sort of the traditional work day mm -hmm. would require and we're both very committed to our work it is 8 30 right now p.m on a friday night my time it's later for you <laughs> and we're working so obviously we love our work and we're committed to our work we also i think both have felt a little bit of guilt about the fact that we take fairly big blocks of time off during the traditional work week yeah and a really late start. That's what we were talking yeah. about where I was like, you know, really, I don't actually start work until somewhere between 9 and 10 a.m., usually between 9 and 9.30. But to me, I've carried around 
these last couple of years, a lot of guilt with that. Like Mm -hmm. who start, what committed entrepreneur starts at 9am or sits down at 10 to 10 to start? Who is that? (laughs) That is not a committed, serious entrepreneur. And you were like, stop it. Like lose that because, and then when you start thinking about it, that's the entire reason that I left my day job. My, even though I was the owner, I left a clinical practice. I left a retail store because I don't want to be restricted by those. And that's, this is exactly what I want to do. Yet I feel so bad that I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not committed if I start at 10 o'clock and that's absolute nonsense. Yeah, it totally is. And I mean, I think part of this conversation, we want to talk about flexibility and part of the draw of entrepreneurship and working for yourself and self-employment and freelancing and whatever you want to call it, part of the draw of all of this is that we get to make our own schedule Mm -hmm. and we get to work from wherever we want on our own terms, however we want. And this is really beautiful. And I think you and I both get bogged down in the day-to-day of our business and we we take it for granted. And um, yesterday, you were at art class in the morning Mm -hmm. and I was working on my side hustle, which we can talk about another time. And then I decided to go on a walk because it was a beautiful spring day. And I was like, I'm going to do our check-in this morning on my walk, Sandy. And you had just gotten back from drawing class and you were... (laughs) finishing drawing your hair (laughs) in your portrait and I'm walking in the woods and we're having a work conversation damn this is good this is good and I felt like yeah this is the whole point right and it's not that we weren't working I got up at 5 a.m and spent an hour in our inbox before my daughter got up and then I took care of her all morning and took her to school and then I was working on my side hustle while you were at art class and then our work day formally began at noon on a Thursday but we're working right now and it's Friday night, but we're happy and it's great. And it, I don't feel pressure. I don't feel like pissed off that I'm working on a Friday night. I, I actually am happy to be working right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that I got to go on a hike yesterday in the middle of the day, right? Like, right, And right. this is the kind of flexibility that being an entrepreneur can afford you if you're willing to take the mindset of the nine to five off the table. And I just want to encourage everyone to not feel insecure about that and to not feel like you're not doing a good enough job because you're not hustling that hard. We've had a whole episode where we talked about the value of hustle and and we appreciate working hard and we both work really hard, but the flip side is also true. But it kind of ebbs and flows, right? Like there yeah, are times totally. when we are full on and, oh my you God. know, <laughs> perhaps not liking it in those stressful yeah. times when you're just, you know, working 10, 12 hours a day. But that also is beautiful. I also feel like there is a seasonal component to this, which we touched upon yesterday too, where it's like when it's winter and it's dark for a lot of hours, it feels like I want to work. I should just sort of, you know, settle down and warm cup of coffee and just get to work. Right now it's May when we're recording this. And I swear to God, it was the longest, coldest, most snow winter I can remember in the history of my life in Calgary. And I don't want to be inside working whatsoever. I want to be outside like you felt when you needed to go for that walk. And so to go sit in the backyard or go sit by the river with a book, I just want to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so that flexibility is so, so amazing. Yeah, it really is. And again, the flip side is it comes with great responsibility. The internet broke for two and a half hours this week. Like (laughs) some servers went down, part of our software is attached to and Dropbox went down and part of Twitter went down and part of Namastream went down. And it was a hectic, stressful two and a half hours that I was supposed to be doing something with my daughter. It was during our time that we usually have together in the afternoons. But 
you know, life happens, business happens. And so it's not like we're just luxuriating. We run a serious company together that requires us to make sacrifices sometimes on holidays, often on weekends Mm -hmm. or evenings. But at the same time, when those situations are not taking place, we can make our own schedule and do what we want and be responsible, not only for our business, but also for our our personal happiness. And, you know, it feels good. It it feels like it's taken a while to really appreciate it, but it's here. Mm -hmm. So, Sandy, let's dive in a little bit to the history of the 40-hour work week and the standard nine-to-five workday. Sure. Which is really eight to five, I think, or eight to six for a lot of people. And then also the fact that beyond sitting in an office building or wherever it is that you're working for those eight, nine, 10 hours a day, we're also constantly tethered to our devices for every waking minute beyond that. And I think that's really dangerous and really unnecessary. And for anyone who has even an inch of freedom in this space, I really want you to consider how you can squeeze flexibility into your schedule. Because I think flexibility, in my mind, my observation is that it's more important than the actual numbers of hours that you work. Like if you're working 50 hours, but you have flexibility around where those hours fall in the week and in your day, that feels to me a lot more freeing than working 30 fixed rigid hours. At least that's my experience. Because I can be with my daughter after school. I take her to every swim lesson she has after school. Like we do so much together during what's considered to be the standard work week. And I work a lot at night. And to me, that is the greatest gift that I've given myself by starting this company is that I get every afternoon with her. Mm -hmm. I can't put the value of that into words. And the fact that I'm not watching Netflix and eating ice cream is just fine with me. (laughs) Like that's a cool trade. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, I totally agree with you about the flexibility, but it does depend on the type of work that you're doing. Yeah, sure. Class-based or like what I had where it was clinical, people would schedule to see me you know, if they want to make an appointment with you or come to a class, then they want weekends and evenings. And I wasn't willing to do that. So definitely lost some business there. But yeah, ideally, for sure, if you could have that. Tell us, Jenny, I think this is more in your wheelhouse about where that traditional eight to five job came from. My understanding is that those standard 40 hour work week hours came out of labor unions in the Mm -hmm. last century or century and a half. And I think it was popularized by industrialists, but it really came out of this idea that before that, people were having to work way more than eight hours a day or nine hours a day. They were having to work 16 hours a day or 18 hours a day in factories. And seven days a week. Seven days a week. Yeah. And, and children and, you and know, we can, labor. we can go into like all of the sordid details about what life was like in the, in the United States in the late 1800s. But labor unions really put out a call to limit the work week and to regulate the work week. And it was early in the 20th century that labor law really started to come into being. And so these nine to five hours, the standard work week was really a victory, I think, for working people at the time. But I think what is often not talked about enough is the fact that all of that is just still a social construct, both 
the sort of overworking in factories and the standardization of the work week, like those are all social constructs. Like before that, we were an agricultural society largely where, you know, we did work based on the growing season and the harvesting season and how much daylight there was. And we were more of a culture that rested in the winter and we were more active and working hard in the fields in the summer, right? And like that was Mm -hmm. the cycle of life and agriculture and nurturing ourselves and our bodies. And so like you can think about historically at any given time and think about what sort of the standard work week was and it's going to be different. And and we have this idea of this nine to five, this like tiny sliver of history in our mind of like, oh, this is just normalized and this is what our human bodies and our human minds are supposed to do. And really it's a tiny little piece of what's ever existed for human beings. I think it's so interesting that the eight-hour workday was based on eight hours of work, eight hours of sleep, and then eight hours of recreation. That's why they, they kind of split the 24 hours into three. I'm sure some people are kind of giggling at, oh, eight hours of recreation. Like, who has that now? Because we are, as you say, so tethered to our phones and to email, and we're just constantly available, whether we are an entrepreneur or not, or we work for a big corporation somewhere, or consulting at some company, we are always on right so there isn't an eight hours of steady off and an eight hours of sleep oh my gosh if you want to talk to my friends who are attorneys who I went to law school with and what their work days are like it looks nothing like this I mean and a lot of professionals are exempt from these standards Mm -hmm. right this is the Fair Labor Standards Act from 1938 it got amended in 1940 like you can go into the details but certain classes of labor so people who are independent contractors are exempt from this and people who are professional employees are exempt from this often as well. And so that's why if you're an engineer or, you know, if you're you have any sort of professional criteria, you're not an hourly labored worker. Yeah. You can be asked to work overtime and weekends and to always have your device on, right? You're exempt from these laws. So I think such a huge percentage of our own community is exempt from these laws anyway, but yet we're defined by them. In this day and age, in 2018, it's sort of considered a minimum. It's not like, oh, you work eight hours a day and you go home and you recreate for eight hours and then you sleep for eight (laughs) hours. It's considered like the bare minimum you work is eight hours. But really, the societal expectation is that you work much more. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're craving a different experience for your life. And I think we just want to tell you that that's totally possible. And even if you have a traditional job, a corporate job or a traditional nonprofit job, and you're building an entrepreneurial project as your side hustle, I would push for you, if at all possible, to try to start building flexibility into your life and into your work. So whether that's working from home one day a week, whether that's having flexibility in your hours, whether that's having flexibility in your ability to work remotely and be able to like take off and travel for a month, but work at the same time. We've seen so many people, I feel like Sandy, in our own social network, in our community of peers and friends, who as they've started to transition to entrepreneurship, they've been able to benefit from having some of this additional flexibility with their regular day jobs. Mm-hmm. Yep, true. I just want to talk about women and these yeah. laws because this was all created when the man went to work and the woman stayed home and took care of the children and the household. And so now that, you know, most families have two working parents, this whole construct is just ludicrous. And I remember 
when I did have a basically a nine to five job, I was so angry at the kindergarten class that ended at three. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what am I supposed to do for those two hours? Like, I did have the flexibility because I was the owner and we had a great after school program at our son's school, but many schools don't have that or people can't afford it to pay for that. And it's just, it's just nonsense how this whole world is set up for working women with children who choose to work and should work if they want to, you know? just makes me crazy. Yeah, it's totally nuts. And you know, when my daughter was born, well, when I was pregnant, I signed up for, I was still teaching at a university and working and on a project and institute there that has since been turned into a nonprofit. And I put myself on a waiting list for childcare that was affiliated with our university. And there was a year and a half waiting list. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? My baby's going to be born and we're going to have to be on a waiting list for a year and a half. And I'm going to have to hire a nanny that's basically my salary, you know, like hand this over to some other person to raise my child. And I know so many moms and working moms have this issue come up. And I was thinking about teaching an adjunct class. I remember when my daughter was a newborn and I was in the salary just to teach an adjunct class at that point was not enough really to even cover childcare for the hours I'd be teaching, let alone all of the other hours I'd have to do, planning, mm-hmm. grading, project work. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Like the, this, the game is rigged. This whole thing is nuts. If you want to have a two earner household, like one of those people has to make more than what a childcare provider would make. And in a lot of places, that's really hard to do. Yeah. And I think the people that take care of the kids should make a good salary too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The game is rigged. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I don't know. Unless you live in, in Quebec, that's, right. that's it's impossible. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's a big reason why I, I mean, and I also, I think you and I both have sort of the life history of doing our own thing, right? Like we, neither of us came from like this corporate or rigid no life and now we're entrepreneurs we both have sort of always been entrepreneurs in our own way and yet still we both had a much more rigid version of that in our previous careers and so i i still think like the whole thing is crazy and this is why to me entrepreneurship is liberating for women in particular Mm -hmm. and why i think entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. is a pathway towards liberation and freedom for women in a lot of ways yeah and when we talk to our clients and when we hear that they are staying home after their maternity leave because they were able to start a business. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh my God, it's just, that's right. this is reshaping the economy. This is redefining what it means to go to work. This redefines our contribution to society. Like nothing makes me happier. When we can allow someone to earn an income, set their own rules, decide how much money they want and be there to pick up their daughter at the end of a school day or stay home with them when they're sick. And not have to get approval or take a vacation day or however you need to swing it. I started building our software company when my daughter was one. She went to daycare preschool for four hours a day, most days, not every day. And the rest of the time I was with her and I worked during naps and I got up really early and I worked really late. I was birthing a business and raising a baby. I felt so in my element. I felt like Mm -hmm. it was the right thing and the right 
time of my life to be birthing these two projects simultaneously. I can't call her a project, but you you know what? I mean, sort of. (laughs) A child is also a project. It's a very important project. And to see a company and a a young child come of age together, right? Like where her, her experience is so tied to this company. I'm really proud of the choice. And yeah. to see our clients make similar choices has been really interesting. And and some of our clients also have taken an interest in starting their own technology companies. That's a whole other conversation. But it's it's just been really powerful to see the kinds of businesses that our clients are building and the freedom and liberation that it affords them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we also wanted to talk, I think you and I have also kind of had these funny conversations, Sandy, about like the ludicrousy of having to sit at a desk during certain hours or be in an office or in a cubicle during Mm -hmm. certain hours. And I have not experienced that in my professional life because of the choices I've made, but I certainly experienced that when I was younger before I got into the law or before I went to college or graduate school. And I remember you and I both have talked about working temp jobs or temporary jobs in order to pay the bills or to be able to take trips or to buy cars or whatever. And I just remember, like, I I, I want to hear your stories. I want you to share them <laughs> too. But I remember I worked at an investment banking firm as a temp when I was in college, one of my like seven jobs in college. And I remember I would work when somebody would call in sick. I had nothing to do. Why are you paying me to be, I mean, happy to take the money. And I remember I was so bored and I was so creative, right? And I was, it was like death to me to sit at a desk in an investment firm, like, and do nothing because like that's in where, be wearing like office casual clothing. Like that was the mm-hmm. worst possible thing my teenage self could imagine. And so I would like go into the copy room and I would make greeting cards that I could like try to sell or give to my friends where I would like make collages of like really funny pictures and cut out like really I would make up these ridiculous sayings and cut them out like a ransom note and make these like like I would take a huge stack of greeting cards on like cardstock that I'd find in the copy room. I should not have been there. I was I'm sure breaking every rule, but nobody ever cared what I was doing. It's crazy. And I think so many jobs are like this where you're like, you've got to be here these hours and then you clock out. And, I, and to me, that was the most insane thing on earth. That's the expectation. It's eight hours a day. That's nuts. What did you do? It was during uh, university and I got a job in Toronto. I was supposed to be doing gait analysis and custom orthotics, but the clinic was too slow. So they cut my hours in half or more. I can't even remember, but I didn't have enough money. I needed another job to like yeah. pay for my next term university. So I got a temp job too did the same like administrative work, but I got placed eventually at Manulife in their equities, US equities department. So I was sort of the main admin receptionist person. So I watched these US stock traders. Um, We had to follow all the US holidays, which I always thought was interesting. I had to work uh, when everyone else was off. It was really basic and simple. And I just had to answer phones and like direct them to the desk. And I studied for the MCAT. I was writing my MCAT that fall. It was awesome because it was kind of structured study time for me, but I got paid. Manulife was paying $22 an hour. I was getting paid $11 an hour. There's a business model, folks. It's called being (laughs) the middleman. (laughs) And I remember being so angry about it. Anyway, I learned a lot. Oh, man, I didn't learn anything. I was like 
in a desk like outside of a closed door office oh see this was open these were open desks so i heard all the conversations and all the arguments Uh and like see that that would have been interesting they'd prepare you know reports on different stocks they thought that people should invest in and they'd you know do these presentations so i learned a ton about the stock market and the u.s economy This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. Well, I was saving up for a car to drive to Nashville, Tennessee, where I would live and work on a presidential campaign. And I just had to make enough money to buy an American car. And I wanted an American car so that I could drive in motorcades, a black American made car, because we have these kinds of rules, at least we did back then. I'm sure we still have them. So I had to buy like a black Ford car if I wanted to drive Uh in motorcades, which I did. Who makes a car decision based on that? Like what kind of teenage girl makes a car buying decision based on like, will I be able to drive this in a motorcade? Will the Secret Service let me drive this car in the motorcade? (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. I know you don't. But that's why I was working there in that boring job and also making greeting cards. And so all of this is just to say something doesn't work in that system, right? Like that system's pretty broken. We can talk about how broken it is another day. I will talk about that every day, all day. But you don't have to live like that. And I don't work unless I have something to do. And that's Mm -hmm. the beauty. Like, it's not about how many hours I clock at all. My work is 100% based on what needs to happen in our company and what I need to do for my creativity and my creative outlet. Like, that's Mm -hmm. entirely what it is. And that's taken some time. There's certainly parts of our jobs, Sandy, that we hate. And like, I will say the word hate. It's hard to run a technology company. And it's hard to do it bootstrapped. And it's hard to do it when you're small. And there are parts of it that we both despise. And yet the overarching benefit of living a life on our own terms is 110% worth it. And I really credit flexibility and flexible hours and having a schedule that is really built around our lives as being the priority. And I don't know how you would do this if you didn't work for yourself and you didn't have Yeah, you can't business. go back. You can't go back. And I just hope that there's people listening who have a side hustle, for example, that have started. And I just want you to keep going or to yeah. start that side hustle because the benefits and the lifestyle is just, it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it totally is. But you really have to shed those, like you say, the social constructs of what you think should happen in a day. Yeah, and you have to be willing to give up the illusion of security, right? I think that's the other thing. We can have a Mm -hmm. podcast on that one. But this idea that, I mean, I, I think there are often days where I have felt really jealous of my friends that have these great jobs and great careers. Like, I think there's this sense of being taken care of that you don't experience as an entrepreneur. Like, you are 100% in control of who takes care of you. Like, it's you. If you don't show up and you don't consistently do the work, like, there's no one there to sort of let you stand in the copy room and, you know, make greeting cards out of cut-up magazines. Like, you don't get paid mm-hmm. for that, right? Like, that's not, <laughs> that doesn't work. And so I think it's, the, there's this real sense of responsibility and heaviness that can come, but I think that's a mindset thing, right? Like, I think yeah. that this idea of being, you're being taken care of by an employer only takes you so far. And 
you know, you have to decide for yourself what's best for you. And I don't think everyone is cut out for this. But I think if you are cut out for it, you know it. Like, you know it, it's a fire in your belly and you feel it. And chances are, if you're listening to us, you have some element of that. And I think for a long time, you can express it through a side hustle, as Sandy said. And we really hope that you keep going with that. And maybe that is something that turns into a full-time endeavor for you, in which case you've sort of won the lottery, but you you made your own luck. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. I love it. I love it. And I want everyone to feel this free. Shall we go into joy and hustle? Let's do it. So the joy, which is kind of funny after this talk about, you know, we're working on a Friday night and not watching Netflix. The joy is actually a Netflix documentary called Wild Wild Country. And I remember (laughs) we were supposed to work last week together and you'd be like, Sandy, where are you? I'm like, I'm not finished the episode yet. Just give me half an hour. Oh my God, I binge watched this, Jenny. I loved this documentary. It was like some of the best content I've seen on Netflix. Yeah, it totally blew my mind. I'm going to watch it again because I slept through parts of it. I only, because (gasps) I work like pretty late every night, it's really late if I turn on Netflix. And so Uh, I almost always fall asleep. I can fall asleep during like a suspense movie because I'm so tired at that point. But I loved it. I feel like everyone on the planet has seen this, but if you haven't, you should go watch it right now. No, they all haven't seen it. I just was out oh with girlfriends God. and they hadn't seen it. I'm like, you need to watch it because of Sheila, this one oh my woman. God. Don't even who- talk about it. Sandy, don't even talk about it. It's amazing. Wild, wild country. It's like six hours long. I know, but it's like I six one hour episodes or something. Go watch it. It's so good. Okay, Jenny, what's the hustle? Okay, so the hustle for today is a brand that many of you are probably already familiar with. It's Moo.com. And for my side hustle, which we're going to get into in a future episode, I had to print all kinds of stuff like stickers and labels and cards and banners. And it's a physical product business. Lots of stuff. And because this is a company I'm building with my five-year-old daughter, we didn't spend all of the elite bucks on the big, nice quality supplies and I'm kicking myself for it. And so I am looking forward to placing an order for some just some little cards to have on our farm stand with our brand on them and our website from moo.com because Sandy, you and I have gotten all of our business cards Mm -hmm. for Soulful MBA and for Namastream from Moo and they've just always been conversation starters. They've been amazing and I love them and I'm never going back. I tried the cheapo versions and I'm not satisfied. So if you do need cards, we're big proponents of networking in our local communities. And we highly recommend that you do have business cards. So moo.com is what I would recommend. Everyone comments on the business cards when I hand them out. Maybe Moo should sponsor our podcast. We should talk to Moo. Let's talk to Moo. And they have the best name ever for a company. (laughs) So we could just say Moo over and over again. I know. It's so good. (laughs) Awesome. Great. All right, folks, we will see you on Wednesday for an Office Hours episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start, to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. 
By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba teacher to sign up. It's totally free.